0: Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Lewis. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday, anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food con- consumption. On this Tuesday, Jay Trut checking in from the road, like Charles Caralt, He's on the road from the road to, from another fun location.
1: You know what? Somehow, somehow or another, I, yeah, I, I'm actually not anywhere yet. I'm <laughs> on my way to someplace, though. I'll be in – I'm in Texas. How about that?
0: Are you in your That's Winnebago as as looking for right the next now. cool role story?
1: <laughs> you know, if I was Charles Geralt, that whole thing would have turned out a lot differently, number one. It would probably been like a, a, a three-week show, and then it would have canceled it. But uh, number two – we had to talk to uh, a lot more people about food and agriculture in rural America. But he went. It was a great. It was a great series while it lasted. I guess I can't. I can't really think of too much bad to say about Charles Gerald. Well, he just maybe, interviewed he maybe, too many people that were just doing goofy things.
0: Maybe he shouldn't have had a, a wife in every port.
1: Yeah, that's could have been maybe one of his problems. That's more of a character flaw. But, uh, you know, well, yeah. I don't know that that really showed up on the programming. But now, well, I think it contributed to his
0: demise.
1: Yeah, it did for sure. Right. That yeah. was. I mean, that was back when the media didn't applaud people for doing uh, things that were below a moral code. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was a time when uh, you wanted to be per- at least perceived as having some kind of moral fiber. Right. Then those days are long gone.
0: Well, um, now truth. if you
1: have too much moral fiber, yeah, they if you have too you. much moral fiber, yeah, they come after you and they want to just prove you wrong and show that you're a horrible human being because you uh you uh live by a a rule that's above theirs, whatever theirs is. It's
0: old fashioned, but you're old fashioned, Trent.
1: I <laughs> am. I can't help it. <laughs> imagine that right yeah i'm old i'm old enough finally to be old-fashioned though you are too so it's not like you can say anything bad
0: no no i'm I'm giving you a compliment
1: yeah no i i kind of feel that way right i'm like uh um you know like one of those old-fashioned kinds of candies that they really don't sell anymore nobody makes them but all of a sudden you go like you know what those really were the best yeah So that's, I'm going to go with that. I'll just stick with that. Just pretend like that's what, what, uh, somehow or another that makes me a winner or a wiener or whatever. A wiener.
0: So yeah. today, Jay, I'm doing something that, uh, when I was asked if I wanted to be a part of it, which was now four years ago, I thought right. it was the, the goofiest thing ever. But the, uh, past governor, now past governor Pete Ricketts of Nebraska
1: uh-huh.
0: asked me to serve on the capital commission. And uh, my first question, what's the capital commission? <laughs> I had no idea. Right, yeah,
1: no exactly,
0: right? And uh turns out there are 7 of us that uh decide maintenance, upkeep and the um the uh hospitality, I'm going to put it, of the capital. in in terms of making sure that the educational aspects are there and the biggest challenges that the past senators want to donate money for a garden or whatever the case may be. And so I'm now coming on four years of this, and our meeting this quarter is today. And i got to tell you, I've learned so much about the Capitol, about the state. I have a whole new level of respect for our forefathers that built such buildings as this one was built in thirty four. Well, over a period of time, but basically constructed and finished about thirty-four. Because first capital burned down, but
1: as all of them did, almost right. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it's amazing how many capital buildings in the United States of America at some point or another basically burned down. It's a it's one thing that most states have in common. Yep, I think that was a way to like clear the decks of all the old paper. Right. Somebody just said, We're not going to box it up. We're not holding it on. Somebody just set a fire. Let's <laughs> walk out. I think you're right. But I do. I the, seriously the, do.
0: the funniest thing is that we're in the middle of, uh, on the tail end now, in the last two years of a $47 million capital renovation project. I mean, it's massive. And the most interesting thing about this, I don't know if you've ever been in the state capital of Nebraska, but if you walk in, you walk around the first level, it's fairly dark right? because yeah. they built, it's almost like you're walking in a tunnel, but at the top of this tall uh, uh, hallway, there's a, a light on a window to the outside. Well, part of what we're doing right now in this renovation is that we are fixing the heating and air conditioning for the entire Capitol building. Uh, and, right. and what they did when they built it in the 30s was they built it so that there would get a natural draw of light and uh, ventilation from the outside to come down into the, the first floor and create a natural kind of like tunnel ventilation, so to speak. In the 60s, they decided that that was all wrong. So they put in this HVAC system, which had a like a, a, a tube they, so they lowered the ceiling in one spot. They didn't eliminate the windows. They just basically covered them up.
1: Covered them up.
0: <laughs> so guess so what we're what? doing now in 2020? We yeah. started getting
1: rid of the the, the ceilings out
0: <laughs> and going back to the natural light. I mean, it's like what? Is, what is this? This is all cyclical.
1: So now, now, the, now you know really the why you were asked to be on the commission. And that is because they needed a hog farmer that could explain <laughs> ventilation a little bit better to them, <laughs> them in a building. And it come to find out, it's going to be a tunnel building, just like, uh, <laughs> just
0: like, a, just like half the they, hog
1: build ninety percent of the hog buildings in America. It
0: is exactly right? like that.
1: <laughs> I will, I will tell you this two different times. My wife served on the uh, national. Uh, um, foundation for the mall, or foundation for the National Mall.
0: Oh, cool. in Washington
1: D.C. It yeah. was a big trust, right? And at first, I thought it was kind of like just one of those social club things, right? Right. But I went, I went to a couple of meetings with her, a couple of events, and you begin to realize how complicated it is to change something that's been in place for a hundred years, and there's historical artifacts that have to be considered and every possible person can be offended by something that you do right it was it was one of the one of the most difficult things i, I could imagine somebody doing you know honestly and uh, at the very same time that was going on if you remember colin woodall who now is the absolutely uh, ceo ceo of the national cattlemen's beef association was a lobbyist on my staff in washington dc but his wife was the historical architect for the renovation that took place uh, on the U.S. Capitol, and oh my goodness, she could tell you horror stories. They weren't horror stories to her because it's what she did for a living. She was used to it, you know, and it was kind of everyday stuff. But man, for all the rest of the, uh, if you would have asked me to go through something like that, no, I'd just no, I would have just walked. It was crazy and uh you know it it's a neat it's a neat thing people right. that i uh, it is, i mean it's a good time to tell people this if you've never been to your state capitol go
0: oh absolutely go. absolutely it,
1: you know do it do it when the building yeah. is open don't break in blah 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 right um so, but go in a time period when it's not about everything else and if you've got kids for goodness sakes Go and take the cheesy little tour. There's always somebody that's willing to, to give you a really good tour. Um, of the U.S. Capitol, I will tell you, bar none, the best tour you can get is if you can talk Sam Graves, uh, the congressman from north, northern Missouri, if sure. you can talk him into uh, uh, giving you a tour of that building, he can bring that whole building to life in ways that you never, never dreamed. And yeah. uh, and people our, should do that. Our There's Sam beautiful- Graves is
0: named Bob Ripley. He's amazing. Yep. Forty-seven years he's been the curator right. of this state capitol and he resigned earlier this year. But uh, he, he knows everything about this building. He it's like he's lived it, and people who just yep. embody it. It's incredible. Yep. Jay Trump, right. we got to go to a break. We'll be back with more. Roll route. Jay truck Trent Luce. After this. Well, in today's world, many people are talking about nitric oxide as a part of healthy living. But Dr. Nathan Bryan steps in here because how do we know the difference between one nitric oxide supplement and another one, Nathan?
1: Well, there's several things you look for. Is The people that are, that are that formulated or backing that product ever published a paper in the nitric oxide literature. Do they know anything about the basic enzymology and biochemistry of nitric oxide? Because here's what people do. Put a lot of ingredients in a bag or in a capsule and call it nitric oxide. You have to understand how the human body makes nitric oxide. You got to understand what goes wrong and people that can't make it. And then you got to pro- provide product technology that actually fixes the reason you can't make nitric oxide. If you're low in testosterone, you don't give precursors or things because you've lost the ability to produce testosterone. What do you do? You actually give the actual molecules. Same thing with women with hormone replacement.
0: Full details and order the product at n02u.com. That's no o number two letter u.com. Put Trent as your coupon code, and I pay the shipping. Wait a minute, that's not good. Welcome back, Roll Route Trent Loose alongside Jay Trout. He is driving, so you might hear some road noise. But I just want to yeah, say sorry. one other thing about the Capital Commission because you alluded to it right there in that dissertation. But the strangest things happen where we have this. Fairly well-known artist from Nebraska, and there's a museum in the the city of Lincoln that wanted to gift one of her paintings to us, which has a value of like $2,700. Right. There there are so many hoops that these people had to jump through just to gift us, the Capitol Commission, a painting that should be put on front display. But I had to ask the question. I'm like, where are we going to put this? Because if we're just going to set it in a closet somewhere, no, that doesn't do it justice. And nobody could answer the question like, where can we legally? Where can we legally put this? It's like, you got to be kidding me. How can there be so much bureaucracy and somebody wanting to gift us some wonderful piece of art?
1: No, but you almost, and I mean, I know it sounds like I'm now supporting bigger, bolder government, right? (laughs) But you almost need a a committee of people that are specialists on that kind of thing, right? Just to know know where to to put stuff like that, right? Because they're just, you can't know. Uh, Ordinary people uh, like like me, I, I don't have a clue about that. You know there are people that are great at doing design. I can hang a picture on the wall. You know, ask me to do that. I can for sure do that. But if you're to tell me what kind of artwork I'm supposed to uh, put where in a building, no heck, I can't. I can't answer that question. I have no idea. And and it matters, right? I mean, let's be honest. It does matter. It is your state capitol building, and it does matter how it looks. And uh, you want to put a good foot forward for. For all the people that are doing economic development uh, for the state and trying to bring whole industries there, et cetera, et cetera. One of the stops that you're going to make is in your state capital. I here's the thing, here's the thing that I would tell most people is this, r- just real simple little fact. And this is why I say take your kids along. It's your chance to actually show them, the people that they see on TV and that they hear about. It gets to show them in their working clothes, so to speak, right? And they get to realize that, Hey, these are just real people. So later in life, you're not afraid to call a real person, but people get intimidated about calling and having a conversation uh, with somebody because, Oh, well, they're really famous or they're popular or I've seen them on TV and I know their ads and blah, blah, blah. Hey, Hey, they, they get up and they get dressed just like your mom and dad do every day. Right. And, and it also, I mean, it's the time for you to realize that, um, these are people, they're human beings. And so you're, you're gonna, you need to communicate with them like human beings. And the best way to do that is to start, right? You, I mean, at some <laughs> point you just have to start, Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, and people get, people get really intimidated by it all. And, uh. they shouldn't be. And the earlier you learn that lesson in life, the better. Um, I I was really lucky. My kids got to meet, you know, everybody from presidents down way early in life. And I think it helped them uh, because they don't they don't look at people like they're different. They don't try to, you know, segregate them off. They realize that they're just real people and they're a lot quicker to stand up and say, hey, Senator, what about so-and-so? Right. Did you think about that? And you think that's a really a good idea? Do you really? Maybe not, you know, and here's why. And it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have, this thing doesn't have to be as complicated as we make. You just have to do it.
0: We, we've we had another situation develop that you could not anticipate. A group of retired senators put together uh-huh. a campaign for a million dollars And they got it they got a a pledge of a million dollars for flower gardens in the courtyard because nebraska capital is just like a square and in the middle yeah there's flower gardens right where do you put a million (laughs) dollars and governor and governor ricketts point blank said no you can't give us a million dollars and put it in the general fund because these senators yeah. will go get it. They'll they'll spend it. we oh, are yeah. not going to put it oh, in the yeah. general fund. And so we spent like <laughs> three, qu- three meetings trying to figure out where to put a million dollars so that we can have a flower garden in the courtyard.
1: Yeah, but you know, that's like hiding uh, back to the candy example, right? That's like trying to hide candy from a kid. The senators find You can't that's uh yeah i can see where that's tough best thing is just um like give it give it to a stranger you know they're less likely to spend it and misuse it than uh, than a group of politicians that sooner or later you'd reach in the box and find that there's no longer a check they're just an iou and uh you'd have to you'd end up having to to grow those flowers all by yourself
0: yeah absolutely but We do get, I think the last number I saw was about 40,000 students a year come through the Nebraska State Capitol. So to your earlier point, that's really the best part of it. And we have a lady named Roxanne Smith that just makes that a wonderful experience. So I didn't anticipate we'd spend half of our conversation today talking about state capitals. But I think it's important that people get, I just echoing your sentiments, people need to go to their state capitol.
1: engage. Just engage. yeah, yeah and, and again, right now is the time, you know, um, even if you even if you go when they're not even in session, that's almost a better time the first time so that you can just show them the building and say, hey, right. listen, this is the ad committee room. This is where they do environmental stuff. This is where they do taxes. and This is the lieutenant governor's office, whatever. Right. And you can you can just kind of sort through that and then follow up and go again when everybody is around. You'll be surprised at who you run into there as well. Right. I mean, cause every Capitol building has random other state officials from other States that will show up on any given day. And, uh, it's, uh, again, my, my, my point, I always tell people this, it literally is the first step is just to engage and do it before you're all pissed off and angry. Yeah. You know, well, that's the wrong, that's the, other, the wrong time to start.
0: The other part better about, better about a Capitol And I was just on Halloween, I was in the Oklahoma State Capitol. I've testified in Oklahoma. I've testified in South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, Nebraska, Kansas. I've been in the Colorado State Capitol. I've never actually testified there. But if you go into any of these buildings and just look at the artwork that is in any of these capitals, it shows you the history and the heritage and what built that state to be something to begin with. The pro- and every bit of it is about the production, and about the people that endured so much to create right. what we have today. And Take, for example, Colorado. I think it's the best case example. The the artwork and the cattlemen and the cattle and how all of the resources that make Colorado such a tremendous place are all on display right there. And you have senators and a governor, current governor, that walk past that whenever they're in the Capitol and completely ignore it when they talk about future policy. It's just unbelievable that can happen.
1: I do. I I, so to Colorado, I would say this. Number one, I do think it's one of the prettiest capitals in the United States. The just the color of the dome and the way it's designed, et cetera, et cetera. But what but what you just said couldn't be more true. It could not be more true that, you know, sometimes that is the the. The thing that you have to do, though, when you are that citizen is just to point out mm-hmm. to that to that member uh, or that whoever, hey, listen, you know what? A, a picture sometimes is literally worth a thousand words. And how about that picture right there? It's been yeah, hanging in the whole thread. Look what it means and what it does. And, and you know what? That matters. That stuff does matter. At the end of the day, it's a it's a factor that you you just can't ignore.
0: I thought of three more capitals that I've but, actually testified in J. Uh, that would be Iowa and Des Moines with the Gold Dome, Illinois, the land of Lincoln, and Vermont, right? And Mount Pelier, Vermont. I actually testified. Oh, Vermont. Day. Yeah.
1: So I've, I've I've been to about twenty something of them. Uh, I counted it all up one time. I'd hate to try to name them right now, but Vermont's not. I haven't been to Vermont, New Hampshire, um, either one. Um, I did go to Maine, um, and I kind of felt like I was at the McDonald County, Missouri uh, judicial <laughs> building there. It was a little bit of an odd experience.
0: <laughs> we got to go to a real break, not because he's making fun of Maine, just because the clock says it's done. Second half, roll route just ahead. Let's talk about pest management when it comes to Apache sprayers. Nobody out-services the reliability of the Apache sprayer. Details about the Apache sprayer reliability, technology, innovation can be found at SimpsonFarm.com. SimpsonFarm.com works in cooperation and partnership with High Plains Apache, therefore the northern tier of the Great Plains of America, plus Minnesota. So go to one of the two websites to get more information about these Apache sprayers. I really expect to see a huge influx in the number of Apache sprayers out in the field as I drive around the country just simply because of the reliability and the people that I know that have them. They would have nothing else. Simpsonfarm.com. Welcome back. Trent Loose, alongside Jay Truitt. We pretty much walked through everything we know about state capitals. What else is on your mind yep. this week? Hey,
1: listen, I think, uh, well, I mean, you know, we just got past Thanksgiving. For me, uh yesterday was my anniversary and so Oh um, happy anniversary. That's a, that's, yeah. Forty two beloved years with my sweet wife. That's kind of a that's kind of a fun thing. I took her uh I took her out for a really nice meal on the outskirts of Paris, uh, Texas. <laughs> and um I know
0: I knew where that was going.
1: Yeah, I think she Unless was you're in Kentucky. Yeah, she was overdressed and a little disappointed, but that's okay, right? who um, could be
0: disappointed with Paris, Tennis, Texas?
1: Yeah, well, maybe it was the Dairy Queen choice that um uh, really it a, threw it her through. There wasn't off, a but,
0: Brahms in town, come on.
1: Uh well, that was the original plan, but uh no, we we ended up taking the loop kind of around town, so it was just the Dairy Queen. Yeah. No. It was good though. It was uh, it was fun. And Warren uh, Warren Buffett says, "Thank you." Yeah, no, exactly right. Yeah, he got a buck twenty-five from me somewhere in the midst of all that. I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, No, but it's. I mean, it is still Thanksgiving week, right? And there's you're still seeing all the stories about food prices and the cost of Thanksgiving this year, and and what did it really cost for a family to get together, and et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know. So I kind of I kind of fall on both sides of the fence on this whole conversation. Um yeah, I understand it costs food costs a lot of money I, and and it's an increasing cost that hurts families, especially families at the bottom end of the economic ladder more or you know, people that have giant families uh, even more so wherever you're at in the system. Um when we were all together, I had a chance to actually talk uh, all the people that did the shopping for the various uh, components in my own personal family, this, this last week. And it was kind of alarming, you know, how much everybody spends uh, it for, in my family, it's just Kathy and I, right. So,
0: right.
1: you know, we, we don't have that kind of to reflect on, but if you've got three kids and you're buying, buying groceries for three kids um, you know, and they're all in the years when they're starting to, just consume food like uh, like hippos, uh, I, it's a real deal. I mean, it's a real thing, right? And it's uh, it can rival your mortgage pretty quickly in today's world. That part, I feel, I've, I have compassion to that. On the other side of the equation, uh, we've had a, a, basically a cheap food policy for so long that we've kind of forgot really where food's place is in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, I'm a little there's bit. There's a couple
0: of ways to look at this, though, because when people tell me how much food is, and I don't, I'm not arguing with anybody that there's food inflation. Right. I know that. Yeah, Just right. take a look at, uh, it's reported that beef purchases are down by 2.5% year to date because of higher beef
1: prices. Mm-hmm.
0: But when people start telling me how much food costs, I ask them some simple questions. Do you buy a bag of potatoes and make the potatoes, or do you buy French fries? Right. Because there's a huge difference. You can buy oh. your, your basic ingredients and do yeah. a little food preparation and cut maybe half of your
1: cost. Yeah. Or more. Uh more, actually, more than half. And that's what that's what we found ourselves doing, right? Just, I mean, again. We're, we're in that place where uh, we eat simpler meals at this point, I guess, yeah. right? And so, you know, you do the simple, we bought some potatoes, onions, and peppers, and and some sausage, and, way hey, that was a great meal, right? And you, you sit there, and you, you kind of go through that, and I do understand everybody's hurried. I do understand everybody is rushed. Again, that's kind of my point, and I don't want to be insensitive. I get it. That everybody is busy, et cetera, et cetera. But where did we push food to in our priorities? You know, and it, in one of the, in one of the, the discussions I had recently with people about this, I looked outside, you know, and I go, Hey, man, you're, you know what? You're driving a, you're driving a hundred thousand dollar pickup and your wife, I know what your wife drives. It's a nearly hundred thousand dollar SUV. And you're complaining to me that, food cost x you're spending mm. 2000 or more probably 25 or 30 uh somewhere around $3000 a month to drive vehicles and you're complaining to me that your food cost have doubled and really? so
0: the mortgage would be that yeah. high on the, oh my goodness
1: yeah i guess that's I mean, why you, i just
0: bought a 20 year old pickup
1: right no exactly right do the payment structure on 100 and, on a on a brand new you know 1 ton four wheel drive than his case that had all the bells and whistles. And you're talking about somewhere close to a hundred thousand bucks. Wow. Right. And so uh, it, that's a, that's a monthly payment for 10 years of, I don't know what, uh, I'd have to guess, but probably fourteen fifteen hundred dollars a month, maybe more. And so, and the same, his wife's doing the same. Right. And you sit there and you just go, okay. And, and he goes, you know what, that's a fair point. Right. It really is a fair point. And, I, I, I use this analogy all the time. We live in this country that st- we stand in front of the microwave and we hurry, and then we get upset and want that thing to hurry. Mm-hmm. You know, We're upset that it takes even as long as it does, and then we're upset. We want our public policy to work the same way. We want uh, to get results and changes in production, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want everything to come quicker and quicker and quicker. And the reality is almost all the great things that ever happened in your life probably happened over a long period of time, the things that you just stayed focused at and really did, and and it was the little things that mattered, and a cumulative effect of a lot of little things turn out to really make a big difference. And I, I kind of think maybe maybe we just gotten we we're we're just in too big a hurry as a society. But that could I also be that 100%. I'm an old. I hate, an old I
0: hate using a microwave. I'm not telling you I don't oh. do it. I do it. I do it begrudgingly. Yeah. I would much prefer to get that cast iron skillet out, put it on a stove. Nope. I oh. can't take the time, put it on a fire, build a fire and do all that, but I can turn the right. stove on and, uh, you know, like even reheating my meat, say we yeah. had a beef roast or, or whatever we made. Hey, we got some Turkey left over now. I would much rather take a cast iron skillet, put some butter in there and heat it up there than throw it in the microwave. Cause it just doesn't taste the same.
1: Yeah, my my wife is a master of that uh of that whole that whole thing, you know, of of uh, you could call it repurposing food after the fact. She's the same way. She'll pick up that skillet every single time, yeah. every single time. And I'm not uh,
0: sure repurposing is the word that we should choose there though.
1: Maybe Maybe not, but <laughs> I think that's got a whole different meaning to it. <laughs> yeah. What r- originally was a pot roast. She, she can turn into a beef. Uh, Medallion. Like a, a, no, she turns them into, she like takes and shreds it up. up like, oh. like a chicken salad sandwich. Oh. She turns it into a beef salad oh. sandwich. Oh yeah. That's good. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. incredibly good.
0: Right, right. So, See, I would th- I yeah. thought, I thought you're going to take that leftover beef roast and cut little pieces off and then put it in the skillet and have like a beef medallion.
1: Okay, you know what? I guess you could do that. You better have started with a medium-rare pot roast in the first place. Then, well, I so. do
0: that. I don't start with it, anything medium-rare. It's rare when I eat it. Right. the second time. Yeah. If you cook it in the microwave, it's way beyond gone, and you can cook it oh, to yeah. medium in that, in that skillet with a lot of butter, yeah. and you're still okay. Or lard, because yeah. I got lard for 10 I agree. dollars a bucket. Yeah.
1: No, Lard, Lard is the is clearly the, the correct answer, right? But <laughs> I mean it, and I mean it really is. We're even finding out when you start looking at some of these some of these studies that are out now on nutrition, some of the studies that I've read over the last couple of years, I think if people really do the research, they might find out that if they're not using uh, lard and uh, And uh, virgin olive oil as the, maybe the only two real ingredients in that category that they follow there, they're making a big mistake. Uh, And those are two things that are, you know, again, as straight from the, straight from the farm as you can possibly get. And that's not, I'm not trying to suggest that we don't need hydrogenated soybean products for all kinds of things. I
0: don't think we do. I don't think we do. No.
1: I, I, that's not the, that's not even my point of the discussion is, is, but if you look at the health studies, there's clearly some, some health benefits to, as you said, eating closer to the original source. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it is what it is.
0: So this may be a culinary question that you, you or I can't answer, but it just dawned on me when you said virgin olive oil. Is, Is there, Second time olive oil? Where where, where, where does it get Uh, reused? Why is it called virgin olive oil? You know what?
1: I have I have an Italian son-in-law that can talk to you. He could do a whole show about olive oil. And he can explain that question, but he's explained it to me, and I gotta be honest with you, it didn't stick. I love right. the boy, but it, that discussion didn't stick. He's a business partner of mine. So we, we have a great relationship, but that I mean, discussion didn't really stick. I mean, but do, there is a. Do you
0: walk through there is ATB in Texas and find the section with the used olive oil? <laughs> Second That's, time only. No, so, <laughs> so this what is you, the third time. I, I,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think what it has to do with is like the the mechanics of the pressing process. And they press it and get the oil that's easy to get. That's the extra virgin olive oil. And then somewhere later in the process, the there is olive oil that you can buy that is kind of the stuff that they were they ended up running over it with the d9 cat or something right to get the last little tidbits out and if you're that guy
0: i'm sure this is exactly how your son-in-law explained it not
1: yeah no maybe not because talking about olive oil to an italian is kind of like talking to me about beef right you better be careful the choices that you make i probably just offended every italian family out there i'm sorry it's my ignorance, not yours, on well, the subject matter. Uh, but, I should
0: I should talk to him because I know that there have yeah. been uh, some serious olive uh, challenges for olive producers in California, where their California has been getting preferential treatment to foreign right. olive producers, and I don't understand that in any way, shape, or form. Jay Truett, Virgin Olive Oil Boy. We'll be back with the last segment. Roll out after this. Let's talk about the National Western. I was informed yesterday that it's only 40 days away. 2024 is upon us and January the 6th is going to be the big commercial day that I was talking about. I'm not telling you that the rest of the month won't be like this, but well, it won't be like this because we have a panel in the morning. Talking about the commercial cattle business. Then at noon, the the All-American Beef Battalion Steak Feed, one pound of ribeyes. And then we're going to kick off with the first of its kind bread female sale encompassing three of the video auction markets plus what was taking place already at the National Western. January the 6th is going to be the big day at the National Western, and that's just the first day of the event, January 6th through 21. Full details about all of the activities on the web, nationalwestern.com. See you in Denver. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose, alongside Jay Truett into our final segment. All right, quiz of the day. And I, Andrew and I talked about this yesterday on Across the Pond, so we'll see if you're paying okay. attention. How I many domestic turkeys are produced in the United States each year?
1: Oh, my goodness. I shouldn't actually know the answer to this question. Now I'm kind of embarrassed instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, domestic turkeys. I, You know what? I don't know, but it's got to be... I, I can't even make a good educated guess. 216
0: million. I haven't looked million. at those numbers.
1: I was I was going to, my uneducated guess was going to be about half that number.
0: Yep, 216 million. About, about
1: 216 million. And, I'd,
0: I'd, and what percentage are consumed on Thanksgiving Day?
1: Oh, yeah, it's got to be 60-something percent. I
0: thought it was over 50 percent, too. It's 24 percent. What? 46 million turkeys consumed on thanksgiving day
1: thanksgiving day
0: yeah well i Just guess that, that kind of makes alone. sense.
1: yeah because we probably have we have how many we have 320 something million people in the united states and if you average it out at i don't know 1.5 per household yeah it would yeah. It, it couldn't be that and we didn't have turkey right see that's why i'm not up on this mm-hmm. we had prime rib and ham and uh and then we have a dish called Sunday gravy that is kind of consumed throughout the entire week. Which is what is that? Uh, it's an Italian dish which includes every kind of pork you can imagine in about five different sauces, and and then there's some pasta thrown into some of them and some not. It is just it's pork chops, uh, sausages, two or three different kinds of sausages, ground pork, um, but you name it. and and then before before that particular meal, we had a prosciutto tray. So yeah, oh. I've, I'm I'm supporting pork industry hog. a lot. High on the hog, and then we went from that to prime rib. So yeah, um, can't beat it, right? Uh, um,
0: so since 1970, turkey per capita consumption has doubled. It's gone from yep. eight eight point two pounds a year to just short of sixteen.
1: I can see that easy. Uh, I, if you'd have told me a number higher than that, I would have believed it.
0: Yeah. Mo- mostly in deli meats, other than that turkey we eat on yeah. Thanksgiving. And well, one o- one other turkey fact that I find vastly interesting, we export 3.1 million turkeys and 2 million of those turkeys that we export go to Mexico.
1: Yeah. Uh, that number I had just looked at, and that's where I was trying to think, I I would have Get again, I was guessing it was about two to three percent of our total production, but it comes to find out you just answered it for yourself. It's it's more like one percent of total production, yeah. So they need to get on that, right? They we could supply more turkeys to the world. That seems um, we're really gonna low do a better to me. job than 3. a lot, of people. 1 yeah. Yeah, it kind of does me too, right? That's why I'm saying it's not even two percent. No, uh, I wonder it if that number includes all the deli meat stuff that we. That we do as well.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: I'll have to look that number up. Yeah. I again, I because it, one of the interesting dynamics that's shifting around is who's buying food in the world today, right? And really, pay, buying up for food. And there's a there's a bunch of people in the Middle East that are buying up for food.
0: You, you probably know that China ha, currently has 70% of the grain stocks in the world. They've, yeah. been, they've yeah. been
1: stockpiling like crazy. Excuse me. And that, right. yeah, no. And I it should, that is also doesn't necessarily include everything that they have in other positions mm-hmm. around the world how much grain do they have forward contracted in right. brazil how yeah, much that's just their how stocks much, right so how much grain do they have forward contracted now out of uh, southern africa uh, which in certain times of the year and how much how much product in turkey that really is being swapped it has to go through a chinese broker at some point in the process and if i understand what my sources tell me um, those numbers may be a bit more concerning and bigger.
0: So, well, the per Tony Neihardt's a person who told me this, and um, he's retired U.S. Air Force in the intelligence business. Now he does this kind of data and gets it to people. He says point blank, China stocking up, preparing for a war with Taiwan in this Taiwan Strait situation, where 66 percent of all goods and services exported in the world go through the Taiwan Strait. That's amazing. But when you think about yeah. the sheer number of people, what what is it, 1.5 billion people in China? I yeah. mean, they, they consume a lot of food.
1: Yeah, they do. And the Chinese are not keen on uh, on starving people like they once did. I mean, honestly, that at one point in history, you know, uh, going hungry in China was a real option. That's not so much an option today. Uh, yeah, which so, is interesting Vietnam. seeing
0: how Jinping is uh, such a uh, student of Mao, Mao Zedong, and yet yeah. Mao Zedong starved nearly 100 million.
1: Yeah, and did it without pause. Uh, literally just cut off certain parts of the country um, and allowed the people to disappear um, without a without a trace really until history um, uh, sooner or later history always uncovers what happened yeah uh, it may not tell you right away but it does and, well uh, they got caught at it
0: jay i i found uh, this is kind of the theme of what we've been talking about i i found that Thanksgiving 2023 is pretty interesting because if you're paying attention to world developments such as China, Taiwan, even what's happening right here at home, how, again, more information this week about Texas is going to be dark through the winter because at some level, maybe not 100%, but we have a – and this week, I sent our buddy Greg Dowd a note. Because it's clear that 65 million households in 13 states around Washington, DC are not going to make it through the next 12 months without serious electric disruptions. Right. With all of those things going on, it seems like people came together, celebrated Thanksgiving and talked about higher food costs without really giving much thought to what's really happening and what's coming at us.
1: Yeah, Now, again, I do I do think part of this though, is, you know, we're in this, we're in some kind of a weird block. Uh, In the United States, where we're uh, we're going to be captivated on what the media is talking about, um, not what we should be talking about. And the media, the media doesn't really cover this food, this food supply story, not the generic mainstream media doesn't really talk about it at at all. all. And even even I mean, I'm not being really critical of farm broadcasters or the ag press, but because they do talk about the story. But they can't. They can't seem to get traction, and I. Again, it's not their fault that their stories can't get picked up. Um, but they, they, uh, they can't seem to get any traction on this subject matter either. And um, you know, we. One of the big things that happened um, here a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, was that we extended the farm bill, and it was a nonchalant kind of discussion. And really, there wasn't even any discussion about food stamps and in washington dc it's amazing that that didn't become the headline of all headlines right that they they froze those prices uh price points or budget points for for another 11 months blah 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 but it didn't even really come up uh but we man we will we will spend all day long talking about whatever the new uh xyz movie from mgm studios is or whoever mm-hmm. and uh and we can't seem to get enough of that. But I, uh, again, I, again, that's another one of those things you made me like three times today sound like a cranky old man. But,
0: <laughs> well, that is where we, the conversation started.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, but seriously, folks, it is one of those things where, uh, now at my family, we did have this discussion about food shortages, right? Food security and being making sure that you can produce your own food and where you are going to find it? Think about it. You're going to have to think about it and, uh, and be prepared for it. And you may have to spend a whole lot of money doing it at some point in the process too. Right. And so even
0: if you grow your own food, Jay, you got to know how you're going to store it. If you don't have reliable electricity, intermittent electricity is going to be tough.
1: Sure. And what percentage of, what percentage of Americans have a root cellar or a, Cold spot, right?
0: Uh, it's, insignificant. It's almost
1: non-existent. Yeah. You know, uh, literally, just almost non-existent.
0: Uh, I happen to know where there's one pretty close to my house. But other than that, I think you'd have to travel a ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I almost, it, it's easier. There's there's a different discussion between survival, right, and and actually, being able to thrive, and as Americans, we're used to just thriving. Thriving is survival, right? Um, by our standards, uh, the rest of the world looks at what we do, and uh, they're just amazed at the waste and and everything else. But um, and and all of those are important discussions. But um, you know, uh, I, I would venture to say that something eighty percent of the people have no concept of what to do literally of the population in the United States. Then uh, out of the next 20, um, it ranges from the ranges from one to a hundred, right? Then you start scaling your way to the point where you've, you've got that prepper that's got 25 years worth of food in a bunker somewhere. And, and, uh, he's probably, uh, going to die of something other than starvation, but maybe sodium overload <laughs> in his, in his, uh, food supply, but whatever. Right.
0: No such thing as sodium overload, but heat exhaustion could be a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Heat
1: exhaustion. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I was actually thinking about this earlier when you and I were talking about how Kathy prepares the uh, repurposed food, uh-huh. which we yeah. previously called leftovers. How right. many people yeah. don't even eat leftovers? They throw it to oh, the no. dog.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. They get thrown. Well, and for, well, I guess a lot of Americans have a dog or two. Right. But, of those that don't, it just goes in the trash or it yeah. goes into a Tupperware container to yeah. turn I'm out sure to I'm sure most uh, people think the growing their dog medium in the... doesn't
0: deserve leftovers, so they throw yeah. it away. Yep.
1: Yeah. No. Interesting discussion, in Jay
0: trash. Truett, Trent Luce. I'm glad you, I think we got you home. That's awesome. Yeah. I just got here. Yep. I can tell. Yep. We we're have good. successfully journeyed down the path connecting food producers to food consumers for Jay Truett. I'm Trent Luce. Both of us reminding you all roads do lead to a rollout. Roll hey thanks
1: man good night
0: now let's talk about red angus cattle for a moment scott and kim ford talked about 40 days until the event at the national western we're talking 14 days until the cross diamond cattle sale 250 red angus bulls 450 red angus influenced females get the catalog full details if you've not been exposed to cross diamond before you're going to want to just go check out the website, crossdiamondcattle.com. I only work with great people, and the Fords are at as good. Lot 21, the 14th consecutive year. Proceeds of the All American Beat Battalion, crossdiamondcattle.com.